0: Uh, good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, everybody at home. I trust you all well, and as always, already mentioned, that you're staying dry. Um, that we, we have a, a leak in our roof at the moment, and uh, yeah, that's fun. That's fun. So um, yeah, please just continue to pray for everybody else as well, pray about the situation and everything that's going on. Now today today is what I would like to consider the final week of... The, the, of the familiar verses that we've been doing over the past few weeks. Um, what was the verse that we looked at last week for the baptisms? Does anybody remember? John 3.16, thank you very much. The week before that, does anyone remember that one? Anyone remember? Pardon? I spoke. <laughs> I spoke too. <laughs> oh, man. Matthew 28. Thank you very much. The Great Commission. Then we had uh, Brother Bob uh, Mendelson, Bob Mendes, Bob Mendelson from Jews for Jesus. Then before that, we had our Brother Aaron T, who spoke from what verse? Isaiah 55, seven to nine or eight and nine. And then before that was our Brother Chris Saw, who was chairing. Uh, I won't ask him, but does anyone remember the verse that Chris shared from? Yeah, Leviticus 3:22. Is it? year twenty-two, twenty-three. Uh well done, well done. Well today is our final sort of verse. Uh well done, well done, well done. Um so today is our final sort of familiar verse that we're gonna look at today. And I, I, I pray that as we break it down, because it's so familiar, that God will that God will connect with you, that God will God will stir your heart with the truths that are in, especially when you look at the craziness that is going on in the world today. That it might give you a bit of perspective on how to approach things or about how to take the next step or even how to help those people that are in need. And so let's open it a word of prayer and then we'll look at this familiar verse that we'll all know, which you've probably got from the title, and we'll study this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this privilege together here this morning. We thank you for the privilege it is to be called your son and your daughter. We thank you for the privilege that we are a part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to you. We thank you that we have the honor to proclaim your goodness and your greatness as you have taken us out of darkness and brought us into your marvelous light. I pray this morning that you will connect with our hearts that you will engage our very souls, that you will meet with us here as the Emmanuel, and that you will reveal to us your glory and your majesty, that all other issues, that all other problems would pale in comparison to the sheer glory of you, our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray you might minister to our hearts now as we look at your word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, politicians ask this of us as individuals and as communities. We give this thing to our teachers as we entrust our children to them for them to be educated by them. You all, even at home, give this to me every Sunday where I gather here uh, and share with you the scriptures and the truths that are found within. That thing is called trust. That thing is called trust. And it is something that all of us manifest to varying degrees and in differing circumstances. Trust. Trust as defined in the dictionary is called, or defined as, should I say, to rely upon or place confidence in someone or something. It is to have confidence or to have hope in something. And this is why we all have an idea of what it is to trust someone or to trust something. We trust the pilots to transport us in the airlines that we travel in. We trust the doctors to give us a correct diagnosis and our medical care as we Consult with them. We trust the emergency personnel of the emergency services, even at the moment as they come to rescue and to involve putting their own lives at risk at times to save the lives of others. We trust others continually. But it is interesting how that today, or perhaps always, we have always associated trust as something that is earned. It is not given It is something that is earned You don't just get it Because of a title that you have You don't just get it because of a social status That you hold You don't just get it because you say so It is something that is earned Case in point I do the trust fall at school With the kids that I teach And I got this young fellow up Even on last Friday and says bro I says alright man cross your hands over When I count to three Lean back and I will catch you. Trust me. I didn't say it like that because that sounds really creepy and very suspect. But I said, trust me. And he goes, and he's only a little guy. And he goes, yeah, okay. He goes, do you trust me, man? And he goes, yeah, yeah. It's all right, bro. So he gets there. He sits back and goes, one, two, three, four. And he takes a step back. He goes, oh, and he goes, you didn't trust me. Why didn't you trust me? I said, oh, it's pretty scary. I didn't know if you were there. I said, I'll be there. I will be there. And he goes, okay, okay, do it again. Does it again. Home. he didn't, he didn't try, he took a step back and you didn't trust me again, that's twice me. why, why, why don't you trust me, and he goes, oh, I, I just, I don't know, because it's you, and I'm like, oh, wow, and I says, okay, well, you'll try one more time, do you want to demonstrate trust in me, and he says, let me help you, I have a job here, and if I drop you, I can lose my job, <laughs> I says, that's one, that's one of the reasons, I says, Two, if I drop you, you could hurt yourself, and I care for you. See, so I don't want you to hurt yourself. So that's another—that's another reason why I wouldn't drop you. That's why you can trust me. And I says, three. Look, you have got other teachers here, all watching. They're all watching me suspectly as well, and they're making sure that I don't do anything to jeopardise your safety. It says, aren't those good enough reasons to trust me? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, all right. He gets there the third time. Guerrero, one, two, three. I can't do it. And he steps back again. I'm like, oh, those were not good enough. He goes, so you don't trust me? And he goes, no. (laughs) And I said to him, that is okay. There is nothing wrong with that. That That's okay for you not to trust me. If anything, it shows how I need to earn your trust so that when you fall back, I will catch you. And he says, and maybe at the end of the term, we'll try it again, and I'll catch you then. And he goes, okay, okay. So we have this idea that trust is earned. The thing is, for us, for us as Christians, our whole standing before God is grounded in our trust of Jesus Christ. Everything about our acceptance by God is in the trust we have of who Jesus is. Our reliance upon Emmanuel, God with us. Our confidence in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our hope in Christ as God's only begotten Son. As we shared last week, who was born of a virgin, who lived sinlessly, who died on the cross and rising again the third day, declaring that he alone is the only way to God. John 14:6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one can come to the Father but by me. Or even when you look at Acts 4.12 4, 12, when it says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given. That is the name of Jesus by which we must be saved. And if you will trust, if you will have confidence in, if you will rely upon him, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin, for the salvation from sin's condemnation, then you have opened to you this exhortation which is made available to us, this promise that we now have access to found in Proverbs chapter three. In the New King James, it's titled Guidance for Youth. But it's not just guidance for youth, it's guidance for his people. And this biblical problem promise this biblical promise by which as his people we can say as well that we can trust in the lord so if you've got your bibles open to proverbs chapter 3 which which you should all know which you should all have memorized, which you should have written upon the table of your heart to trust. I'm reading from the New King James, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In the NIV, it says he will make your paths straight. Yes, the exhortation is to trust, but it is whom one trusts that makes all the difference. If you look at Jeremiah 17.5, we read this in the NIV. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. You see, going back to what I said earlier, you can't trust politicians. Could politicians do whatever they can and say whatever they will in order to hold on to the power that they hold? History has shown that all teachers can't be trusted. I have, even at our own school that I work at, that before I started, there was a scandal involving a teacher and a student. That there are scandals all around. So all teachers can't be trusted. And even me. Even me. You. All here, you watching at home, you should be like the people, of the Bereans, who at Berea, what did they do? In Acts 17, they studied the Scriptures to make sure that what Paul was teaching was biblical, was true. You should be doing that for me as well. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Why? Because Jeremiah 17, 9, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked above all. All things. Why? Because man, in their natural state, would much rather prefer darkness than light, according to John 3:19. So, these words of Proverbs three, five, and 6 are like a klaxon. Do you know what a klaxon is? No. A klaxon is like the emergency siren that goes off for all the nations, for the whole nation to hear. You know, those really big, that, that's a klaxon. This is like a klaxon for us that bellows out a reality that we know, but we find difficult to apply, especially to everyday living. So let's break down Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We start off with this, trust in the Lord. So if I start this, you should finish it off. Trust Well done. Trust in the Lord. Rely upon the Lord. Place your confidence in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Or in the simplest of terms, trust in him who has revealed himself to be and is trustworthy. We trusted in the Lord to be born again. We trusted in his word that we are sealed by his spirit. We trusted in him and his sacrifice where we might be accepted in the beloved to the praise of his glory and grace. We trusted in him as shared this morning by our brother Chris to take us out of darkness and bring us into his marvelous light at the end of 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Who with but a word can silence the storm like he did in Matthew 8 who according to his promises sorry to whose promise meet the needs of his people in philippians 419 and through whom we can do all things as he strengthens us in philippians 413 you see we have no issue with trusting in the lord for the forgiveness of sin we have no issue for the Lord securing our eternal destiny of having our names written in the book of life. We have no issue when it comes to the fulfillment of God's promises when everything's going fine. We have no issue with that. We have no issue of taking God at his word when we're going through our everyday lives, experiencing the fullness and the blessing and the contentment of God's provision continually. But trust in the Lord, so is it trust? Well, that's easy, but it's also not seasonal. It doesn't say trust in the Lord when things are good. It doesn't say trust in the Lord when things are going fine. We use this phrase often as a uh, oh, what, cliche. This is, this is one of our cliche phrases when people are going through issues, people are going through struggles, people are having real life problems and we say, just trust in the Lord. It's one of those cliche things that we throw out there, but we've got to look at what that actually means to trust in him, especially when things aren't going well. See, trust, if trust comes or if trust is earned, we then need to look at who and why we trust who we do. Thus, when I look at who God is, when I look at what he has done, when I look at what he has done for me, when I look at the extent of how far he goes for my benefit... Well, yeah, he's proven himself more than trustworthy to me. He is the omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipotent, um, omnipresent God. I said omnipresent twice, sorry. God who sees, who knows, who can bring you through whatever you are going through. You may not understand the extent or the reasons why you are enduring such trials, but it is in these times that we must hold on to who he is. It is in these times that we receive the peace that transcends understanding. It is in these times as we hold on to him, as we trust him who is trustworthy, that we are then able to overcome whatever those issues are. It doesn't remove us or remove the problems from us, but it enables us to move through them with him. That's why you read in John 16:33 33, that he gives us a peace that overcomes. So when even when trusting is hard, when the reliance is difficult, my encouragement to you, at the, at the most basic of levels, is to hold on to Jesus, to grab onto the rock upon which we stand. There was a... Um, A sister, a sister by the name of Basilea Schlink, she said this, In the darkest of nights, cling to the assurance that God loves you, that he always has advice for you, a path that you can tread and a solution to your problem and you will never experience that which you believe. God never disappoints anyone who places his trust in him. God never disappoints anyone who places his trust in him. Trust in the Lord. That's where it all starts. But then it goes on to this. We have trust with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, What makes a wholehearted trust possible is knowing clearly who it is that you trust. Case in point, many, many years ago, I was really about eight, nine years old when I was in Samoa. There was a beach called Mufatu. And on this beach, there were these rocks that you had to swim out to. Waves pounding, all that sort of stuff, and it was really difficult to get out to these rocks. I was, I was only quite young, but I remember making it to the rocks, standing on these rocks, which were solid. And as the waves pounded on these rocks, you know how I felt? Completely secure. It didn't matter how big the wave was. didn't matter how hard the wind, how, 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 how the gust of the wind was blowing. I stood secure on the rock that was my foundation. So it didn't matter how, you know, how how anything was around me, the weather, whatever it was, I was secure on that. I could wholeheartedly commit to that because I knew it couldn't be moved. I knew it wouldn't change. I knew it would always be there. Now, just to finish the story, when I hopped off the rock and tried to swim back, I got smashed against other rocks Which really hurt, okay? But anyway, which I guess you could say is a a rough illustration is that if you leave the rock to try and join the world, whatever it might be, oh, you'll get smashed. You'll get smashed. Smashed against the truth of God's solid foundation. Anyway, that's a completely different sermon. Sorry, that just come to me then. Okay, anyway, anyway. But like standing on a solid rock that's in a raging river or standing on the coast, you, you can wholeheartedly trust whatever it is you're standing on, the stability of the foundation on which you're upon. Proverbs 10.25 says this, When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Doesn't matter what's going on, standing upon the rock of Christ enables you to stand secure. That's why you can commit wholeheartedly to it. That's why we're able to withstand what we encounter. First Corinthians 3:11: No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Christ Jesus. He is the foundation upon which we can wholeheartedly trust. That's why we can trust with all our heart, why we can commit completely to him, because he is immovable. He is the word made flesh and who dwelt among us, who declared the father and to whom all judgment is committed. He is the one in whom we can trust with all our heart because he is the Alpha And the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the author and the finisher. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the head of the church. He is the redeemer of all mankind. He is the deliverer for all those who trust in Him and who is deserving of our wholehearted trust. But This is where the problem comes, and this is where my problem is. If we are told to firstly trust with, the second part says this, and lean not to your own understanding, that's my problem that I lean on my own understanding. One of my greatest flaws of interpreting whatever it is I'm going through, of, of, of interpreting it through my own past experiences, of relying on my own past processes as the means to which I could reach certain conclusions, relying on my own human effort or my own human wisdom. But the problem is this. My understanding, my experiences, my wisdom, my processes are at best Limited and are at worst harmful, especially when pressure is on, when you jump head first without bringing it before the Lord. That's, that's what happens when you lean on your own understanding. And I guarantee you, you have done this. You have done this in your own life. And I know for myself, especially when you react in any circumstances. When you react, because when you react, what happens? It's just the flesh. When you react it's just you okay for those who are married uh and you've had the uh the what what i like to call um verbal discussions with your spouse the the excited verbal discussions with your spouse And, and 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 you're you're discussing verbally as the volume sort of increases during the discussion and then you find the, the frustration welling up within you. And what happens? You say something that you know you shouldn't say, but you say it anyway, and as soon as it's going out of your mouth, you're just like, oh boy. And it's just like, Pfft. That's reacting. That's leaning to your own understanding. That's handling it the way you want to handle it, as opposed to how God would have you handle it. And you've seen this blow up. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers 20, I'm just going to read a little thing for you from verses 7 to 12. This is even some of the great men of God who are in the heroes of faith, people who lean to their own understanding and react in various situations. So in Numbers chapter 20, we have Moses who's been harassed by the people to get water again. So he goes to God, and this is what we read, verse 7. I'm reading from the CSB. The Lord spoke to Moses, take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch and it will yield its water. You will bring out water from them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. Verse nine. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff so that the abundant water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not, Trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites. You will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. These are the waters of Merebra. The Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and he demonstrated his holiness to them. Look at his reaction. Moses was told to do what? Speak to the rock. What did Moses do? Struck the rock twice. In his frustration, he leaned on his own understanding and, in that, suffered the consequences of not only being refused entry into the promised land, but missing out on the fullness of God's blessing. Because he allowed a situation, a frustration of his circumstance to get him. That's what we do. And the frustrations we have, we lean to our own understanding and get ourselves in trouble. In Moses' case, it happens to us. We miss out. We miss out. Turn with your Bibles to Joshua chapter 9. Another quick one. Joshua chapter 9. We am just going to read a few verses, from verses 3 to 6 and verses 14 to 15. Joshua chapter 9, we read about the Gibeonites and what they do. So, Three to six, we read, When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho <clears throat> and Ai, they acted deceptively. They gathered provisions and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They wore old patched sandals on their feet and threadbare clothing on their bodies. Their entire provisions of bread were dry and crumbly, They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land, please make a treaty with us. So we've got a picture so far. These people heard what's going on with Israel, they're scared, so they acted deceptively. Go down to verses 14 and 15. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but did not seek the Lord's decision. So Joshua established peace with them and made a treaty to let them live. And the leaders of the community swore an oath to them. Once again, relying or leaning to your own understanding in a situation, they allowed the circumstances to dictate dictate what they do, and they refused to seek counsel from the Lord. Leaning on the Lord's understanding is the way these things are overcome. Leaning on God's word so he might renew our minds by speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that it talks about in Colossians 3.16, making melody our heart to the Lord. It's by us walking in the Spirit, Galatians 6.2, so we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's about us being connected to the vine, as it talks about in John 15, from which we receive life. You see, leaning on our own understanding leads us to trouble. Don't lean onto your own understanding. Don't think the way we ought to do this without first seeking counsel from God and bringing your thoughts, your ideas, your views before God and say, Lord, I want to trust in you in this so that I, I make the next step in accordance with your heart and not mine. Because we read this in Romans 8, 6, in the New King James, it says, To be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's awesome. And all your ways, well, sorry, and, and lean not to understand. So the third part. Okay, so we've got, we've got, we've got. Start again. So we've got trust, nice and loud, trust, okay, with, and lean not, all right, in all your ways acknowledge him. This is about us accepting and recognizing God's sovereignty and his position as immortal and as invisible and as the only wise God. It's about us knowing the position that he holds. We read this in Isaiah 40:22. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Knowing the position that he holds, knowing who he is, Isaiah 40:26. how he brings out the starry host one by one and calls each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. So not only of the position he holds or of who he is, but also of what he does. Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 30. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and he is understanding, sorry, and has understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases power of the weak. It's about us having a clear vision of who he is and all his glory and all his majesty and all his greatness. Of just looking at the scriptures and thinking, wow, that's amazing of how great my God is. Of looking at the sunset and saying, that was designed by my God. By looking at the the beauty of of the ocean and thinking, wow, he he spoke and that happened and that was brought to pass. By looking at the relationships you share within his church, by looking at the sacrifice he made on the cross, by looking at the, the peace that he's given you in your life, Just be looking at who he is and think, wow, I want to acknowledge him who is in control of all things. But the thing is this, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, not some of them. Not just, okay, uh, Lord, I want you to be a big part in my marriage and in my parenting, but not in my work life lord i, I don 't want you to be a, I want you to be a big part of my work life but but not in my social life with my work friends it 's not that way it doesn 't work that way it 's in all your ways acknowledge him because in acknowledging him, we are identifying our need for him, our submission to him because our life our new life is because of him that 's why it says in And and 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, you know, all those in Christ, where we become new creations, the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The acknowledging of him as the giver of our life. If we could just get a grasp of these things, because we, we read, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Then it says, then he will direct your paths. It's then we're given direction. It is where we have our paths directed, not to the end of the trial, not to the end of the circumstance. We have our paths directed to him. He makes our paths straight to him. He removes obstacles to him because the situations around us change continually. The one constant and each of our lives is who? Him. That always remains the same. For example, when John the Baptist was asked to identify himself, he quotes Isaiah, Isaiah's description of what the, the, the voice crying out in the wilderness, right? And in that, in verses 7 and 8, oh sorry, in 5 and 6 of John chapter 1, we read this. Um, actually, I'll start with verse 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, this is John the Baptist speaking, a voice Of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Verse 5. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. Who is Jesus. Look at that though. You got the valleys. What happens? They're filled. So they're made straight. The paths are directed. What happens to the crooked? They're made straight. What happens to the rough? It's smoothed out. And where's it all directed to? To Jesus. It's pointing to him. He provides the path to God. He provides the path to forgiveness. He provides the path to renewal. He breaks down the wall of separation. He redeems the people and makes them new. He does that for us. But that doesn't mean that your paths will be easy. That doesn't mean that you won't suffer any issues, that you won't encounter any trials or struggles. But what it does comfort us with is that we have his direct involvement with us as we walk with him. Okay? Um, if you've got, okay don't worry about it. So in Joshua chapter 3, in the newness of their surroundings as they were, were told to go into it, they crossed the Jordan and they're heading to Jericho. And they're told to follow the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? Where did they go? God didn't take them around Jericho. And the trial. God didn't, God didn't want them to avoid the trial. God took them through the trial. And it was as they relied on him that they were able to overcome the trial. Then when they reached the next city, the next obstacle, what happened? They got smoted. At Ai, they got smoted. Because there was sin in the camp. When that was dealt with, then they went through Ai. They were going, God took them through each of those trials, and the way each of those trials were dealt with was as they had their eyes and were following him as represented by the Ark of the Covenant. You take those things, those ideas, to your life now. God doesn't promise you ease. God doesn't promise you a, a smooth, trouble free life. What he promises you is himself. And he directs your paths to him. That as he takes you through the trial, you through the struggle, you through the the marriage problems, you through the parenting problems, you through the work problems, you through the relational problems, you through the church problems, that as you have your eyes focused on him, he doesn't take you around the trial, he takes you through the trial. And that through him and by him, those trials are overcome. That is how he directs your paths. He directs your paths by directing you to him. That's how things are overcome. That's how we encounter things. The the mom having the hard time The student being bullied at school The grandparent feeling alone The boss navigating a ruthless environment The family with financial trouble Even just the Christian feeling disconnected All of these unique circumstances All of these stressful situations All of these things that the Lord commands you and I to do this In the midst of Is to trust in Him with all our hearts, and not to lean on our own understanding. We only see this much. We only see this much. You there in your camera, I did this years ago. You there in the camera, all you see is this. I see this. I see people to my left, people to my right. People, it feels like a song, don't it? People in the center. All right, I see all of this. You only see what's on your screen. That Your view on the screen, that's our lives when we, you view it from our perspective. My perspective here, when I see all of this, that's God's perspective of our lives. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows the way in which troubles can be overcome if we focus on him, if we trust in him, if we acknowledge him, so that he then can direct us to him. That's what he wants to be doing with us. Because we have to understand something. This life, I was talking with Kenny this morning, and we're talking about how, well, well, Kenny was telling me how old he is now because he was remembering a Billy Joel song and, and, and stuff because, yeah, because Kenny's an old man. But we're, we're talking about this, and uh, like, well, my brothers and, and myself, like my parents, basically anyone, everyone that's alive on my, um, from my dad's side of the family, there's only one sibling left. And my brother and I were talking one time and saying how, well, we're next, man. We're going to be burying our generation next. But the thing is this. This life, this life, that's only this. That's what you see on the screen. It's only this. This outside of that screen, that's eternity. That's what we're made for. That's why Jesus came. And that's why God tells you, trust in him. Acknowledge him. Rely on him. Why? Because he is taking us, preparing us here in the here and now for the eternity to come. That's what's found in such a familiar verse like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That we trust. Come on, a bit of enthusiasm. We're coming to the end now. Coming to the end, okay? Coming to the end, all right? That we trust. All right. With. And lean not. In all your ways. And he. Amen. Take that. Hold on to that. Live that. And you'll see how God will do amazing things in, with, and through you for his glory. Let's close in a word of prayer, and we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Father, we thank you so much for the beauty of your scriptures. We thank you so much that the scriptures point us to Jesus thank you so much that you give us this privilege this exhortation, this guidance to trust in you with all our hearts because you are trustworthy that we need not lean to our own understanding because that gets us into trouble but to lean on your divine wisdom, lean on the promises of your word, lean on the power of your Holy Spirit, lean on the blessing of brothers and sisters within the body of Christ that we will acknowledge you as creator as omnipotent as omnipresent, as omniscient, knowing the beginning from the end, that we'll acknowledge you as our sovereign ruler, our creator of all there is, we acknowledge you as head of the church, who has called us your sons and your daughters, and that you will direct our paths. You will direct us to you, regardless of the circumstance, that you will be ever faithful, regardless of the situation, that you will be always present, regardless of whatever we encounter, you enable us to overcome as we trust in you. Help us to trust, Lord. Help us to rely. Help us to place our confidence in. Help us to have our eyes set on the things of eternity. Just help us. We ask for you to dismiss us now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.